Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. All right, Crossover Podcast, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. What's happening, Beck? What's going on, my friend? Not a lot. Uh, when we record next week, training camps will officially be underway. Most teams having media days next Monday. Training camps open the next day. And we are off and running with the 2021-2022 season. Dude, how do you feel about that? Um, it's too soon. It's just too soon. <laughs> it's <a little> <laughs> I mean, we love basketball, but, you know, uh, I love vacations. And uh, we had a very short, short offseason. But excited to get going again. Exciting to see where uh, some of these uh, storylines play out. Who's fitting with who. Whether any of these guys are actually going to get traded that we're still waiting on. Uh, Plenty, plenty to, to anticipate. Yeah, very much so too short especially when you take into account that writing the nba preview issue began like three weeks ago so uh (laughs) but then nobody cares how the sausage is made uh howard um we're gonna open up the mailbag here i got some questions coming via twitter i want to ask first though howard because last week uh after we recorded the news about john wall's uh trade request broke uh wall of course one season in houston doesn't feel like he's part of the 
long-term rebuild with the Rockets. They apparently feel the same way, and they're going to work together to try to find a deal for John Wall. The biggest problem is that Wall's owed about $90 million over the next uh, two years. So g- give me your thoughts on kind of John Wall's trade request, and uh, do you see anything out there that makes sense for both the Rockets and Wall to do a deal? No. They're, like, there is nothing. There literally is nothing. And it's not that is not a knock on John Wall, who I think played well enough with the Rockets last year to show that he's still got something left. He could be a positive contributor. There are teams that could use John Wall, but the contract makes it nearly impossible. It's not just that he's not worth that amount at this stage of his career. It's that it's really hard to trade a contract of that size, period, and find a match. And since it he is being overpaid by today's standards and and given where he is in his career, you're going to probably have to incentivize a team to take the contract and the Rockets as a rebuilding team and as one that already has picks owed to Oklahoma from the Chris Paul deal, uh, the Russell Westbrook deal a couple of years back, they don't have picks to spare and they're not going to want to do that. So I think what's more likely to happen here, Chris, and I don't know that this is actually good for any of these parties, is that John Wall stays home John Wall will still have access, obviously, to Rockets facilities if he needs them. That's how these things go when you're under contract. But he's not going to play this year because he doesn't want to play for them and they don't want him to play. And they're kind of going into year two of a tank. And they've got young players who they want to put the hand the ball in their hands. So I, like, I think this is going to fade from view very quickly. And we'll yeah, be talking I, I hope, about Howard, this again. I, I, hope it, I hope it doesn't play out like that, honestly. Like, I, I get that... You know, the reporting suggests, as you said, that John Wall is not going to play in games uh, for the Rockets. I hope that changes over I hope so too. the next few weeks. Because if you're John Wall, you really can't afford to lose more time uh, in your career. I mean, you look at the last few years. 2017-18, John Wall played 41 games. 18-19, John Wall played 32 games. Did not play at all in the 19-20 season because of that Achilles injury. And then last season, he plays 40 games with the Rockets. So that's like 110 games over the last four years. I mean, at some point, you got to play. And, you know, John Wall was... They were able to do a deal for John Wall a year ago because the Rockets at that time had a distressed asset of their own in Russell Westbrook. There aren't that many distressed assets out there, Howard, that are going to make sense for the Rockets to to take on uh, the same way. And I would be shocked unless they were getting a big break if Houston would do a buyout. So I hope that Wall, you know, over the next few weeks, once he realizes what the market looks like, I hope he decides to play. Uh, and I hope he, he goes out there and, and tries to reclaim what's left of his prime. Look, John Wall is 31. If he sat out an entire season, to your point, Chris, he'd be 32 on opening night in 2022. He's missed all these games, as you point out. There is no reason for him as a player to just kind of bow out, spend an entire season working out, rehabbing from home and not playing NBA ball and having people be even more concerned about what your relative value is around the league because now they haven't seen you play in a year. So that doesn't do him any good. It doesn't do the Rockets any good in terms of his trade value. I understand it does them good in in the sense that the Rockets want to move on to the next phase. They want to put the ball in the hands of their young players and go ahead and and, and continue essentially a you know two-year two at least tank job, get another high pick. John Wall might accidentally win them some games, but also you're in the midst of a youth movement. So I get that. But 
there is no market for a, a player with that contract right now, especially one who has the injury history recently that he does. So uh, I, sending him home and having him just sit out doesn't make any real sense on, on, on a practical level. He should be playing, but it certainly sounds like this is a case where we may just not see John Wall again for a year. No, I agree with you. I think if, there's reason, too, for Wall to come back and play. Like, he might be able to enhance his trade value if he plays well. I mean, I give him all the credit in the world. He came back from that injury, and he was in shape. Like, the games he was playing in, he was in shape. But he still shot, like, 40% from the floor, 31% from three. Guys like that don't have – they don't have a massive market value. So, if he comes back – if he plays well, maybe there's a team out there that says, look, all right, well, John Wall's only 31 years old. It's been a multi-time all-star. Maybe we'll take him on. But I think coming back is in his best interest uh, and playing is in his best interest all the way around. Um, all right, let's jump into some of the questions here. And let's begin with Joel, who asks, is it realistic to expect Cleveland to fight for a playoff spot? When should we expect them to stop being so bad? Um, not realistic in my mind, Howard. Um I think the big question for Cleveland this year, as their roster stands, is can Colin Sexton and Darius Garland play together at a high level, and can Jared Allen and Evan Mobley play together at a high level? Those are the the pairings that Cleveland has uh, committed to, and Sexton's up for a big contract. They just gave Jared Allen a big contract. I guess they assume that he can play alongside Evan Mobley, but I think it's more another, another developmental year for Cleveland. If it turns out that both those things, the answer to both those questions are yes, then maybe a year from now we can expect Cleveland to compete for a playoff spot. But they've got a lot of questions, including Kevin Love. Like, what do they do with him, um, you know, this season and beyond? So I think it's more about development again in Cleveland with the playoffs uh, still kind of far off. I'll throw one more in there. You mentioned, uh, you know, the two guards and having to figure out whether that works and whether that's the, the plan going forward and the two bigs. There's a third because they acquired Lowry Markkinen in that three-team deal that sent Larry Nance to Portland. So where does Markkinen fit with these other two bigs? Um, you know, is he starting at a Mobley? And are you are you easing Mobley into it? You know, and listen, you can have a, a very functional three-man big rotation. Like, that's a pretty good group. But you still have to figure out the fit among those three and how any two of the three play together. Um this team to me, Chris, feels like the the prototypical, we're just now throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. And I don't mean that necessarily in a negative way. They're, you know, you've got your backcourt. They're both really talented, but they're both 6'1". Most people would tell you that's probably not a great plan for the future going forward in terms of, especially defensively, at some point you're going to have to pick one or the other. So there's that. Mobley and Allen, there's a case to be made that they fit together. But now, you know, Markkinen's kind of this reclamation project, high pick in, in Chicago, showed some promise. They gave up on him finally. Can you, is he, a, this is a, that's a value play, right? It's a value play. Well, hopefully we get more out of Markkinen than the Bulls did. Um, Kevin Love is sitting there. That contract has been a disaster from the moment he signed it a few years ago. They're still dealing with that. So they're, they're in this sorting out phase, right? We acquired Jared Allen. We acquired Larry Markkinen. We got this high pick in Mobley. He's really promising. Could be one of the great young bigs in the league if everything breaks right. All these things, but we don't know how any of it fits together or what the bigger picture plan is, as, as, you know, if it all comes together. Um, and at some point, you have to move on from Kevin Love, who's uh, uh, taking up a massive amount of cap room, but not doing anything for them. And 
you know, there's another immovable asset. I don't, I don't think we're going to see a John Wall for Kevin Love deal, but, um, but he's in that category of, of really difficult to trade assets. The, 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 the question from our, uh, our follower on Twitter, um, can't remember the name when you brought up the question, but like fight for a playoff spot. I mean, it, basic math says they're just not even anywhere near. Here are the teams that are definitely ahead of the Cleveland Cavaliers to start the season. Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Miami, Atlanta, Boston, New York, Washington, Indiana, Toronto, and probably even Charlotte. So, no, the Cavaliers are not making a play. Charlotte, definitely. Charlotte, definitely. Yeah. I think Charlotte's going to be pretty good this year. Uh, Toronto, maybe we'll see what happens with Raptors. But, no, nah, they're, they're a ways off from, yeah. from making the playoffs. Just uh, try to find pieces that work, that fit long-term, and, and then think about the playoffs uh, a year from now. Uh, uh, Blardo, thank you for that name, Blardo, he asks, <laughs> any reason to think the Kings will be over uh. 500 this year, Howard? Um I don't think of the Kings as the Kangs anymore. I don't think they're as dysfunctional as they used to be. That's a credit to Monty McNair, who I think has brought some some strength to that front office. But no, I don't think they'll be above 500. I love their offensive firepower. I mean, De'Aaron Fox is explosive. Buddy Heald can shoot. Harrison Barnes, they held on to in part because they wanted to make a playoff push this year. But you got to play defense to make the playoffs hour. And that team doesn't yeah. defend anybody. So, you know, they've been in the 30s for most of the last five years or so in terms of win totals. I can see them being in the low to mid 30s again this year, unless something changes to give them some kind of defensive presence because they don't play it. Luke Walton, to this point, hasn't really coached it. And if you're going to be all offense, no defense, I'm sorry, you're not going to win a lot of games in the West. They were not only 30th out of 30 in defensive rating last season. I believe they had the worst defensive rating in the history of Awful. the form. Like, so that has to change. Um, and Davion Mitchell is not going to single-handedly do that wherever he fits into that rotation. Good defensive player. Loved him at Summer League. Really He's got a lot of potential as a defensive player. For sure. But he's not going to plug every hole as a guard um, on that roster. And he's, he's got to fight for minutes with Darren Fox and Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald. So there's a lot for them to sort out there. Sorting out is actually the, the, the key phrase here because this is only the second full season since Monty McNair and Wes Wilcox in that front office got there because they were capped out. And they did not want to match on Bogdanovich. People can debate that one still. But they didn't want to continually put themselves in a bigger and bigger financial hole with regard to the cap. They have not been able to unjam the jam that they inherited. So to me, Chris, this season is about a couple things. Continued development of the young guys, right? Obviously. Mitchell. Fox going into year, I think, five. Halliburton. You've got some good young pieces. Can you keep Bagley healthy? Can he make some strides? But the main thing aside from that, is are you going to finally find a new home for Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, probably, possibly Marvin Bagley? If you can start moving those guys, you start to free up cap room, you start to give yourself more roster flexibility. This group as constructed, those are all decent players, but they don't, they're not better than the sum of their parts. At some point, you have to pick a different direction. They've had a hard time doing that with this front office so far because they inherited a capped out roster that hadn't been able to get anywhere so uh 500 i think is is a a huge stretch for this team this season a lot would have to break right or maybe they make some great trade but 
Yeah, uh, I don't see it. Again, same same exercise here. Nine teams that are absolutely positively better than the Kings. The two LA teams, Denver, Utah, Phoenix, Golden State, Dallas, Portland, and Memphis. That leaves the Kings battling with Memphis, San Antonio, New Orleans, and Minnesota to maybe get that last plan spot at 10. And even that, if you're battling for the 10th spot, you're probably not a 500 team. You're like, like the history shows that when you're, you know, then that we have to get used to this now with the play-ins. The ninth and 10th teams are almost certainly, almost certainly below 500. So if the Kings are in that mix, they are nevertheless still below 500. Yeah, I agree. Um, and we talked about Cleveland needing to figure stuff out. I mean, the Kings... Like they don't want to be in this position because, yeah, you know, they, they feel like they've got enough young talent to make a run and a few key veterans. But to your point, they've got to figure out Buddy Heald. What do you do with him? They've got to figure out Marvin Bagley. What do you do with him? Frankly, we'll get to this a little bit later. They've got to figure out Luke Walton. Is he the guy uh, for that team? So I think they've got a lot more, a few more hurdles to jump over before we see them as a 500 team, as a playoff team in the Western Conference. Uh, Robbie asks, which team's high hopes will be shattered the earliest? Um, I'm going to go with Chicago. And and I, I'm i saying that, and look, Chicago, may, you know, they, they spent like a billion dollars. <laughs> I mean, they just spent a lot of money this offseason. Just contract after contract. I mean, they, they spent are, Bezos money. <laughs> uh, they did. I mean, Arturis Karnasovich, that front office, they are in it to win it right now. I just don't know what they became with all these deals. Like, DeMar DeRozan, good player. Lonzo Ball, good player. Um, all the moves they made, they, it makes them better, but I think they're going into this season thinking, it, did it make us top four, top five in the Eastern Conference? I just don't see it. I think that yeah. they're a playoff team, but... You know, unless Zach Levine takes a step forward. That's another team, too, by the way, Howard, that doesn't play any defense. It doesn't have, like, defensive guys. Like, Lonzo's okay, but DeRozan's never really been a defensive guy. Vucevic doesn't defend anybody. Um, They're just not a good defensive team. And if you're just relying on, like, Levine's explosiveness and DeRozan's mid-range game and Lonzo Ball running the break, all right, you'll be a fun team to watch. But I don't see them as a top four or five team in the Eastern Conference. So... I think that dream for Chicago gets shattered uh, pretty early. I agree. Um, although I think you're overlooking the impact of Alex Caruso and his defensive presence yeah, okay, off the bench. Sorry. But yeah. I, that's, that's like Davion Mitchell we're talking here. Like, all right, I get it, yeah. <laughs> shout out to Alex Caruso. Hey, shout out to that contract for Alex Caruso. Way to work your way into hey, man. Uh, a deal I, like that. Respect. Gotta, absolutely. No, between Caruso and Lonzo Ball, they at least brought in a couple of guards who will defend. And we'll get after it. They will be better defensively than they were before. Um, on the perimeter. On the, on the perimeter. perimeter. Yeah. Um, you still got Vucevic backstopping you there, and I don't, I don't know what's And going. that's a problem. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think they could be a disappointment. Um, I'm not sure what they're, you know, the, so the, the, our reader's question was about, you know, whose high hopes get shattered earliest. I'm not sure how high the Bulls' high hopes are. I mean, I think for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a while, they should just be happy just to get in at all. Um, the team that I think has higher hopes than that, that I fear will actually stumble early and, and show they're, they're really not all the way back is your Boston Celtics, Chris Mannix. Um, I, I, I'm just not sold on the overhaul. 
Um, I'm not, I, you know, and, and this is no reflection on Emi Udoka, but they do have a rookie head coach. They have a rookie front office now with Brad Stevens moving to the front office. That's not the biggest issue. The biggest issue, I point that out just to note, there's, this is not the same old Celtics. Like things are in flux there to say the least. At their core, you've got this perimeter one-two punch that I think is among the best in the league. I love the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum uh, tandem, and they've, they, they paid Marcus Smart. He's going to be around. I love that they kept Marcus Smart. But they're now relying on like 73-year-old Al Horford to man the back line. They're relying on, you know, last we saw him was completely wetting the bed in L.A., Dennis Schroeder at point guard. Um, like, I, I, don't, I don't see that the, the changes that they made are going to make them uh, markedly better. And the fact is, the last, last season in particular, I think it's now maybe two years in a row, in a row here, they're not the same defensive team they used to be. Like, yes, Marcus Smart is a phenomenal defensive player, an all-defensive guard, and Jalen Brown has great defensive chops, and uh, Tatum can. But this is not a great defensive team and hasn't been for a while. And if they're not, then their hopes of, of jumping back into the fray in the, in the East are, are going to get dashed. Are they a playoff team? Absolutely. Like, I think they're, they're certainly, you know, somewhere in the top six or seven in the East. But getting back into that top echelon that top four range i'm not seeing it right now yeah i I don't disagree um i'm not overly concerned about the front court in fact i think they'll be a lot better defensively this year with horford back because horford i thought he kind of resuscitated his career in oklahoma city and i think he's still a really intelligent mobile defender especially if he's playing the five which he is now at this point plus if Rob Williams can stay healthy, and that's a huge if with him, he's an excellent shot blocker. They signed him to a new long-term deal. I thought that was a good value contract for Boston in getting him locked up. They brought Cantor back. He's not a defensive guy. But Cantor, for whatever it's worth, was part of the front court where the Celtics were top five in defensive efficiency uh, a couple of years ago. So he he knows at least Brad Stevens' system and how they defend. Where I see the biggest questions in Boston is in the backcourt. Um, yeah, I thought Schroeder was an off-season salvaging signing. That was probably the highest value contract you can get. I mean, for months in Boston, I was hearing about how, oh, it's fine. Marcus Smart and some combination of Romeo Langford, Aaron Neesmith, and Jason Richardson was going to get it done. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Marcus Smart, for all of his talents, and he is a tremendous defensive player, is not a playmaker. He's just not. And relying on him to be your starting point guard and playmaker would have been a mistake. So getting Schroeder was big for them. Now, how does Schroeder fit in? Is he kind of the Schroeder that's been difficult in the past? Is he more focused on a contract than helping the team win? I don't know. I mean, the guy left $84 million on the table and signed a $6 million uh, contract. So I don't know where his head's going to be at going to the season. But I'm watching that backcourt. If that backcourt overachieves in Boston, they could surprise people. If it underachieves... uh I don't know where they're going to be. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... 
You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's jump to Abby NBA, who asks, who was the first head coach fired? Who was the next player traded? Let's start with the head coach. I don't like to predict coaches getting fired, but the guy coach with the, uh, on the hottest seat, so to speak. I mean, I, I think it's, Pretty easy, Luke Walton at this point. Maybe I'm missing somebody, but you know, Luke Walton is coaching a team with bosses that didn't hire him. And that always makes your seat a little bit warmer. They've won 31 games each of the last two years. They've got to be in the playoff mix. Now they were, you know, for a time, brief time towards the end of last season. Uh, they have the offensive firepower to get back into that mix. But if this team falls behind early, I could see the Kings, who internally believe they have the makings of a playoff team, I can see the Kings making a change. Yeah, uh, like you, I, I 
always when I, somebody asks me like who's getting fired for I'll never answer that question I don't predict nah, coaches yeah. getting fired I don't advocate for coaches getting fired if you want to ask about that who's on the hot seat who you know who has some pressure on them sure and Luke Walton has to be the top of that list in part because of a new front office and new ish and in part because he's been there for a few years and they haven't really made much perceptible uh, progress so that seems obvious but the other thing too is like when we talk about coaches and who's on the hot seat and who to keep an eye on. I mean, there are what eight new coaches this season. One, two, wait, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I think we have nine new coaches. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and several who just got it settled into place a year ago. And we've got then another handful of coaches that are just secure. There really yeah. aren't that many places to look for coaches that are in danger. So um, it's almost Luke Walton by default. Yeah. Um, and, you know, look, it's it's hard for a new front office when you inherit a team. You can't make major changes right off the bat usually because you're usually capped out as that front office is. Coach is one thing they can do. And they've stuck by Luke Walton and they've been very public about that. But, you know, everybody's got a limit. And in year two, now that you've got a good handle on the team and your personnel and where the deficiencies may lie and, and what your path forward is, that team might be more comfortable making a change in year two than they did last season. All right. The the other part of that question is who was the first player tra- uh, traded? It, it's easy to sit here and say Ben Simmons. All right. We, we, all, we all know the deal with Simmons. Philadelphia wants to move him. But I want to put Simmons on a shelf for a second. I'm going to say it's CJ McCollum because I, I, I just don't, I mean, look, maybe it involves Ben Simmons for all I know, but I just don't see the Blazers problems being solved by a coaching change. Chauncey Billups could be the next big thing. He could be an elite coach. It doesn't matter if you don't have the horses and you look up and down that Blazers roster and there aren't more than a couple of top-level defenders. I mean, they made that deal last year with uh, Norm Powell for Gary Trent. Probably would have kept Trent. I mean, Trent at least was kind of a defensive-minded guy, shot the three really well. Not It's not a knock on Powell, who would, I think, have been better on a different team, but now you got Powell signed to a long-term contract, something like $90 million. Um, I think if that team gets off to a slow start, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Neil Olshay to shake it up. And uh, obviously, they're not going to trade Damian Lillard unless he insists that he uh, wants to be traded. I think the first guy to go uh, would be McCollum. Again, I don't blame McCollum for the problems with the Blazers. They're not his fault. Like, could he be better defensively? Sure. But top to bottom, they're not a good defensive team. And this is not a question of, like, new schemes making them a better defensive team. Not with... Nurkic and you know, Robert Covington, who has been a disappointment uh, with that team. I, I just think they're going to need to do something sooner rather than later. I think the first move they make is going to involve CJ McCollum. So once again, I ask, Larry Nance Jr. isn't going to magically fix all the defensive problems? He is not. He is, he is <laughs> not. He's a good defender and he will make them better. And I think he was actually a good pickup. But, uh, but yeah, I ask facetiously because no, no one player is going to fix that. And... The undersized backcourt tandem, which we have talked about ad nauseum for years ever since McCollum and, and Lillard got together, like at some point that has to be the solution. 
<laughs> the interesting thing with Portland, Chris, is this. If they stumble out of the gate, go 2-10 and 10 or something, and panic sets in, people start freaking out, is the first thing to happen that Lillard goes to them and says, that's the sign, this is it, that was the last straw, this is the time to move me, in which case Ben Simmons becomes you know front and center. Or is Lillard keeps his, 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 uh, his heels cooled and says, no, 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 we're good, I-, I can ride this out, but we need other changes, and that's when you trade McCollum because he's your most movable, marketable, high-value piece that you can flip. And maybe it's McCollum and a bunch of other stuff for Ben Simmons, or maybe it's McCollum for something else entirely. But I agree with you. That's the one to keep a really sharp eye on. There were a few others. Like like you, I, my first thought when I saw this question was, all right, let's put Ben, ben Simmons to the side. Everybody's talking about right. Ben Simmons. Um, maybe it's one of the two Cavs guards, Sexton or, or Garland. Maybe it's Buddy Heal. That's a good one. That, yeah. Sexton, Sexton Garland's a good one because I, I don't know. I've yet to talk to... Uh, a scout or an executive and and we've been doing a lot of that in the last few weeks uh leading up to the preview issue but like sexton the one sense i get from a lot of teams is that whoever pays if somebody pays sexton like the max or close to the max that's not going to be a good contract like sexton's a good player but like, is he a high-level starter on a playoff team? I, I don't know if I've seen that yet. I know he's like a scorer. He's a scorer. Uh, can can right. be something of a chucker, but I don't. I, I just don't know if I see it. And somebody, look, he's out for that max contract. He wants it. Um, I don't know. That, I don't think Cleveland wants to give it to him. And yeah. if that's the case, somebody else might have to might might take on that burden. So there's there's one to keep an eye on too, and also just because you know at some point you you're gonna have to pick one or the other. It's Sexton or Garland. It's probably not both. Um, Buddy Heald from the aforementioned Kings, uh, just you know stuff they got to sort out there. The other one I thought about was D'Angelo Russell. Um, yeah, I know the whole, dr- the whole the dream in Minnesota is is that you know D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, good buddies, will will thrive you know for years to come there. But I uh, haven't seen it much yet, partially because of injuries. Um, and just a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure there to get that thing turned around. And and they just haven't been able to, to do much to fortify that roster. So that's another one to keep an eye on. Big year for Carl Towns, too. I mean, he's got a – if they come into camp healthy, like one of their biggest problems has been Russell and Towns have not played much together. But I thought Edwards played really well last year. I think that's a sign of him maybe even being a franchise player, number one guy with that team. But Towns – we know he can score, but he's got to be more defensively oriented. If he's going to be the five for that team, and he is, um, he has got to be more of a rim protector, more of a defensive presence. Like he can't, he can't just be offense. Like as good as he is offensively, that's not going to cut it for that team. Agreed. And you know, needless to say, the emergence of Edwards as a apparent budding star certainly makes you have to think about whether D'Angelo Russell will be better off somewhere else if there starts to be a struggle for who has control of that offense. Yeah, no question. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests we're gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's finish with Chicken Dinner. Another great name. Uh, Where do you guys project the Wizards this season? Any reasons for excitement with their roster? Uh, Look, I'm more excited, Howard, about the Wizards roster this year than I was last year. I mean, last year it felt like they were kind of putting together a team that could scratch out as many wins as possible and make them kind of appear like they're trending in the right direction to influence Bradley Beal. Now it feels like they're, they are doing that. Like I I loved the, the Spencer Dinwiddie signing. I thought that was terrific. I think Dinwiddie um, who missed most of last season with the uh, ACL injury. I think he's a terrific point guard prospect. I think he's, he's going to prove he's a, full-time starter in this league. And I think him and Beal uh, could play well off each other. Rui Hashimura, I think he's a front-line type of guy. Uh, we'll see with some of their other young guys. Thomas Bryant, how does he come back? Um, but I like kind of the composition of this team, at least in terms of trending upward. Like last year's team felt like it had a ceiling. This team, whether it's this year or beyond, I think it's got a much higher ceiling than the one we saw last season. 
Yeah, last year, I mean, admittedly, this time last year, I was talking about, well, maybe not this time. When did we start the season? December? Um, <laughs> time is a flat circle. And, you know, it's it's all just fungible. Um, going into last season, I was excited to see the Wizards in the sense that there was just the pyrotechnics aspect of it, right? Beal and Russell, Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook together, I didn't necessarily think they were going to win a ton of games. I didn't think they were going to be a great team. I just thought they'd be at least fun which was a nice change from just years of waiting for John Wall to get healthy. This is a fundamentally better version of the team. Did any of the guys that they acquire, are any of them as good as Russell Westbrook or will ever reach his heights? No. But this is a deeper team, a more functional team, a better fitting team. Uh, Huge credit to Tommy Shepard in that front office for flipping Wall for Westbrook for now this group of players that will better complement Bradley Beal. I think Dinwiddie and Beal together will be great. Dinwiddie can play on the ball and off. Um, Getting Kuzma and KCP, uh, Montrez Harrell, all the guys from the Lakers. Like it just filled out the roster. They needed veteran help. They just they were so thin and relying so much on their youth, Um, and they were so you know obviously just backcourt heavy. And so the 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 cap room and the minutes it's just going to be spread across more capable bodies. And they're just going to be more functional. I like what they have right now. Assuming Thomas Bryant comes back healthy too. Now you've got, you know, multiple bigs between Thomas Bryant and Harrell and Gafford, who was a really nice find late in the season. Um, Great deal for Gafford. That kid, that kid can play. He, he is exactly what you need in the modern and, NBA, kind of a springy big man. Yeah, and listen, look, Chris, you and I can glance at this and know at a glance that in a star-driven league, Bradley Beal plus a bunch of really good players is not going to make you a contender. It's, it's not even necessarily going to get them to crack the top six in the East because the East has gotten that tough. But they're, I think they're a playoff team, um, at a minimum a play-in team, and they've got all these, all these movable pieces now. So when the next opportunity comes to try to upgrade around Beal, you've got guys you can move. You're not stuck with a John Wall deal that you have to flip for a Russell Westbrook or stuck with Russell Westbrook. You've got flexibility. I like where they are. I don't know how good this team will be. I, I really don't. I, are they 500 a couple games over? I'm not sure, but I like what they've got and I'm, and I'm very interested to see where it goes. Yeah. And if nothing else, like it, it sure seems like they've sold Bradley Beal on their future. I mean, you're not hearing a lot around the league, Howard, about the availability of Bradley Beal. There are still teams that are trying to keep their powder dry in case Beal becomes available. But if I had to say anything this is more not based on anything I've heard from Washington internally, but around the league, like the perception, they don't believe Beal's going anywhere. Like they believe, whether it's in October or end of the season, that Beal's going to be in Washington long-term. So if you accomplish that and you're the Wizards, you've done your job. Like that's it. You get to keep Bradley Beal, 28-year-old, in his prime, all-star to kind of build around. And you know, that keeps you relevant in that market. So... For the Wizards, that's that's a big-time win for you. If you're, you've struggled to make the playoffs, that's a win uh, no matter what. Uh, this time next week, Howard, we are going to have actual training camp things to talk about. After media days open up, we'll see what the Lakers say, the Nets say. All across the league, we'll try to figure things out. So finally, we'll be back uh, with uh, real stuff next week, Howard. Um, probably more than we can even possibly handle. Uh, yes. We, we, we may need to expand the show by an hour or something. But no, can't wait. Looking forward to it. All right, Howard. We'll see you next week.
It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, And I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.